0: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
1: Welcome to Drinking Bros Sports, brought to you by KillCliffCBD.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. If you're the type who loves to bet on sports, or maybe... You're only playing for the first time. Either way, you need a website that gives you access to all your favorite sports and makes it simple, which is why I recommend MyBookie.com. Sign up today at MyBookie.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to secure your deposit up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Yes! Welcome to Drinking Bros Sports, everyone. We've got a a fancy doctor in the house today, Dan. Uh, D'Anthony? Learned.
2: House of Learned Doctors.
1: Yes, yes, we've got Doctor Jen Welter in the show. You might know her as the first female coach in the NFL. She also hosts a popular podcast called The Juke. Welcome to the show, Jen. How are you?
0: What's up, guys? How we doing?
1: You throwing up deuces to start off with?
0: I am. I mean, we were talking about Florida Man offline, and as I told you guys, like I'm from Florida. Yeah. So I a lot of Florida men, hence. reason why i'm single and need to be drinking with the drinking bros and i I don't know how else to put it
1: where are you at in florida that'll tell you how florida you actually are
0: i was born and raised in vero beach florida an actual native believe it or not
1: man look we always we have a, a rule on this show that we tell all of our listeners don't date women in beach towns or vacation towns because they're just crazy. You probably grew up with a bunch of weird dudes just coming in who are tourists all the time. And then you had to kind of date the tourists and then have a long distance relationship with the tourists. Is that you or no?
0: No, we don't. We don't date tourists. We tend to make fun of them because they get really bad sunburn. Um,
2: <laughs> see, in
0: Florida, we're smart enough to know how to negotiate the weather. So, we would play darts or pool or something like that midday while all the tourists were on the beach at the times so that are really not habitable. Right. Uh, and then after the rain would clear all of them out, that's when we would go to the beach. So, you got you to gotta have, a, have a game plan. So, we really kind of missed the tourists unless we were making fun of them from behind a pool table or a dartboard, which means don't ever try and go with a Florida native on those because they will probably win.
1: Every single time one would imagine. Um, oh, yeah. Look, I, you were the first ever female coach that uh, w- was, was coaching like big boy shit in the NFL. Uh, on this show, I, I have, full disclosure, been critical of that in the past. Um, okay. I, I have a, a laundry list of questions for you here, just because I want to know. Um, well, I'm
0: not particularly good at laundry. I'm better at football. So <laughs> feel free to give me the laundry list and then I'll send you my dirty laundry and you can handle it for me. Perfect.
2: I use I, I use a, a, a wash and fold. I don't do anything. I don't do manual labor. I
1: don't no, mean. Dan doesn't believe mm-hmm. in it. Dan doesn't believe there's labor. a
0: reason why it's called manual labor. I'll pass.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, no, in all sincerity, like it, the reason I've been critical like in the past is, um, I, and I was, I was, you know, we always do our research here on this show. Um, Did you grow up playing football?
0: I grew up loving football Mm -hmm. and not having an opportunity to play football. Um, Women and girls really didn't play when I grew up, though I grew up in Vero Beach, Florida, where it's like a way of life. So I had a love of the game. I was a multi-sport athlete, you know, um, dominated pretty much every sport I played except basketball because I am 5'2". So uh, that's just a height selection thing um and then when I got to college um I found rugby for the first time so got to play rugby um and that was the first time I really got to tackle but it's something I wanted to do always
1: okay so so let me ask you this they just not allow it there um and, the, and I know this sounds crazy but uh, a friend of the show Nick Mangold who's been on a, a bunch of times his sister actually played high school football mm-hmm. um so was it just not allowed where you lived she's also like a champion power lifter too isn't she yeah later right. so yeah. when yeah.
0: when did she get to play
1: uh 2000 so i want to say was it that long ago yeah it was, it was a while ago i want to say yeah. uh
0: so i graduated high school in 1996 now i will tell you um there was so here i was i was captain of the soccer team two years in a row um, I was in the first graduating class of Sebastian River High School. So I chose to leave one of the iconic franchises um in Florida because I thought it would be great to be a leader of a new school. Mm-hmm. And so uh, by default, our football team was pretty terrible because a lot of the guys who were really good had stayed at Vero High. And you know, I watched it and my boyfriend was the captain of the football team. I was the one who he used to win bets against rookies all the time because I could outbench them, you know, like these kinds of things. And I used to watch it. And um, the uh, high school football coach, his name was Randy Bethel, Mm -hmm. um, played for UM. His son then went on to carry that legacy. Bethel was in training camp with the Pats at one time. Um, I was his favorite soccer player because I was 13 and I took everybody out. Um, So I told him one day, I was like, Coach Bethel, you need to let me play football because I could help your football team. And he looked at me and I was ready right? Like if he would have said, you can't do it, you're not a good enough athlete. I would have been suited up the next day, no doubt. And what he said was, Miss Welter, you are a heck of an athlete and you probably could help my football team, but I'm going to ask you not to play. And let me tell you why. I'm a football guy. I have been one my whole life. You are an athlete. You are going to come out there and make some guy look bad. Then him or one of his teammates is going to cheap shot you and I'm going to kill him and go to jail. Please don't do it. And it wasn't a matter of you're not a good enough athlete. It was literally him saying, we don't have a culture for that. And that's really different. Um, So could you learn to play football? Absolutely. Could I have learned to play football? Absolutely. Um, But culturally, was it there yet? Not even close, especially not in Florida.
1: Well well, let's take just uh height wise since you were talking about it earlier um because uh, my wife's the same height as you are uh essentially she's pretty small um mm-hmm. uh you know with your weights because I'm assuming you you probably looked very similar to what you do now I mean, you don't look that much older than high school, which is probably a testament to just staying in shape and everything else but um what position other than kicker would you do you think you would have qualified for? in high school had the coach said let's put you in
0: um probably could have been a wide receiver was very fast very quick actually i would say so before the slot was really a sexy thing i could have been a slot receiver um also read really well on defense um i was a sweeper in soccer never got beat so something from probably a safety position more of a free than a strong uh, but really read well and seldom got beat there so there are a lot of things i ended up going on to play men's pro football and was a running back there um, because of that quickness out of my stance and ability to read blockers and use them to my advantage so you know it really just depends a lot of those things are putting people in positions of success and then using them in a way that it's an advantage not a disadvantage i think frankly i could have been the best decoy of all time coming safe from the slot because it would have been a disadvantage getting jammed off the line Mm -hmm. Um, but I would have been the best decoy on the face of the planet because, you know, even when I played in men's pro football, the, you know, the driving force of the defensive coordinator was no matter what happens, the girl doesn't score, which means you could be the best decoy of all time. It just needs to be an understanding of where you could be used to be a strategic advantage on the team, as opposed to a disadvantage, because oh gosh, we feel bad that we have a girl. No, if we have a girl, she should be an advantage because she knows she's going to draw the attention of the other team.
2: Do uh, NFL teams, what do you got, 53 people in that active roster? I believe so, yeah. Do you, do you typically keep a decoy on on a 53-person roster in a league where injuries are pretty prevalent? I mean, that seems like a big risk. I, and the reason I say what that is What else do you call because- Tim Tebow right now? uh tim tebow is a publicity stunt he will not make that roster there's zero percent chance he'll make that roster and that's one of the things i was actually going to bring up so he spent his entire life playing football hold on
0: hold on but you can find a role for anybody and at that time we're not talking about an nfl roster we're talking about a high school roster that was not very good Mm -hmm. i can tell you right now i could have contributed to that roster in, in high school, in, in high school. Right, yeah. okay,
1: okay, in high school, okay, that, gotcha. there's a good gotcha. chance for that. I mean, that's I a mean, very
0: different question. Yeah, yeah I, I,
1: we we had a guy on the, the the winningest high school football coach of all time. Uh, he he was on the show. Uh, look, he had a bunch of girl kickers on his team, and they were just yeah. lighting people up on that that documentary on yeah. YouTube. So high school, yes. Um, as you get into college, obviously in in pros, physically, you're going to take a, a beating. Um,
2: it'd be rough. Exactly it'd be rough to maintain the muscle
0: it's mass. Also, access to coaching.
1: Yeah, because yep.
0: there are girls who speed-wise, even size-wise, look at some of the basketball players, right? They could be great in those positions. Have they gotten access and opportunity to develop the skills to be placed in those positions? That's different.
1: Well, let me ask you then. Do you think there should be a separate league for women? Or do you think, hey, just, let's just keep the NFL the NFL and then keep men and women together? And if they want to try out or want to play, go for it.
0: Well, first of all, football is the only sport that doesn't have parity at any problem or at any level. That's a problem. It's a great game. Um, Girls are going to want to play. Boys are going to want to play. Do I think that the ultimate um, destination for women to be able to play football should be against men? No, because then you're always talking about an exception, never a place where she has the opportunity to rule. But do I think that if you don't set up a feeder system and a place where they have the opportunity to play, that you're always going to have women who either um, are aspiring to play against the guys or don't get t- an opportunity to play. Sure. Because we're not providing that. So there is women's tackle football. There are places for women to play. I represented on the U S national team twice, led the team in tackles um, in 2010, you know, so women's football is up and coming both in the flag space and the tackle space. Um, However, yeah, there's always going to be a size disadvantage in, in no other sports. Do we set it up even in whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, even wrestling now where you're not saying that there is an opportunity for women to compete against women. And that's part of the problem. Mm.
1: Uh, I, okay. So the, the, that I can understand. Um, uh, I guess, walk me through rugby then, uh, Was there a female rugby team in your college? Because we'll go, we'll jump from high school to college and then, you know, we'll get into your professional career. Um, Was there an all-female rugby team at your college and what colleges you go to?
0: Yes, there was an all-female rugby team. Um, Rugby is a collegiate sport. Um, It's also a sport that you can play at the Olympic level Mm -hmm. um, and internationally as a professional. So I played rugby for Boston College for all four years. It's pretty rare uh, that rugby- oh damn! Then-
2: it's pretty rare that rugby is a varsity sport though, even for men though, right? Yeah, I don't think we had it at
1: Ohio State. That's it's, what I was asking. I, think, I went to Ohio State, yeah. and I don't believe my, we had it when brother, I was in school. My there.
2: brother played his freshman year at Citadel, but it wasn't it wasn't varsity. I don't think. Yeah, um,
0: I, it, it is a sport that has been growing in terms of varsity. Look at yeah. it; probably on trajectory a little bit. Uh, behind lacrosse mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. on an international scene there's women and men's mm. yep. um, and yes it is a varsity sport depending on the school penn state traditionally have had it for a long time um, it is more popular probably in the northeast um, yeah. than it is in some other areas stanford has a huge huge they are the the leaders across the nation Traditionally, um, in rugby, so yes, it can be a varsity sport.
1: Yeah we uh, we have a co- we have a host on our network, Eric Tanzi, who plays religiously every mm-hmm. Saturday. Him and Bradley Yandel, the Andy Man, plays a lot as well. They love it, and it, yes, you're right, it is growing. Um, uh, I only said that, you know, not as a demeaning thing. I literally at Ohio State at the time that I went to school there, we did not have it, and it was uh, intramurals So, mm-hmm. um, did you get a scholarship there? Like, did you get to play on full ride? Do they have that for women?
0: Um, Well, they do. So those are two different questions. I didn't even know rugby existed before I went to college. So I discovered it in college, um, because I had always wanted to play football. And I had opportunities to play soccer going to college, but Boston College had one of the top 10 business schools in the country. Mm -hmm. So I chose academics as my path. Um, And when I got there, that's when I saw rugby for the first time. Actually, this is rugby, um, so that's a flashback. To oh yeah, there.
1: Uh, and you made the and right decision.
0: The but hey, yeah.
1: you, you, made, you made the right decision. Boston College is a great school. Uh, it ac- a great academically, school. it is next yeah. to impossible actually, to get into.
2: As of twenty seventeen, there were there were more women's varsity rugby teams than than there were men's nationally yeah. from all three NCAA divisions. That makes sense. Uh, look, if you're
1: looking at it, like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after college, you graduated BC. Um, you have a degree from one of the best colleges in the nation. What next for you? What What did you do? Because um, I know you played for like, what, 14 years or something like that?
0: Yeah, it was 14, 15 years. Seasons ended up differently. Um, so what happened is I actually got recruited for the under twenty three na- national team in rugby. Um, at which point I think they realized that I was five foot two, um, one hundred and thirty pounds, because as a prop I was literally half the size of everybody I was going mm. up against. Um, so I did not make the U.S. R- uh, rugby team. Yeah, I but if you're if
2: you're a winger dedicated. in rugby, even as a dude, your size is it matters to some degree. But if you're a winger, it doesn't really matter that much if you're fast enough. If you're a winger, yeah. Sure. So you but you didn't do if that. If you're a
0: prop, yeah, not so much. Mm. Right. I I was in the front row of the scrum.
2: But you just—you had just started playing the sport too. Why would they at your size throw you there instead of as a winger if you're fast? I don't get that.
0: Because I was so strong and because I was dominating. (laughs) I was so good at it that I was recruited for the under 23 national team. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, And we had a very small team and not everybody could do it. I was coached by one of the U.S. Eagles who immediately put me there it was not even a question. And I would win the scrums. I mean, I had, you know, I was beating people in weightlifting competitions through high school. I started lifting when I was 14. Like I was a strong, strong person. And your leverage is an advantage, particularly in the front row of the scrum. If I can get underneath you and lift your your feet to the position where you are not heels down, your toes are off, which meant all I had to do was elevate just a little bit your whole size advantage goes away.
2: Low man Plus, if I lot. have a
0: great position on you in the scrum as a loose head prop and I can get your hips to separate slightly from your hooker, I can make the entire scrum collapse. Right. So I was really good and really well coached. Being undersized, one of the things that you have to do is be very precise on form. Mm-hmm. Going to the national team level, the difference was the coach said, um, I have people, and she was the Harvard Radcliffe coach, which they were, notoriously tops in the country we played them regularly she was one of the people who wanted me for that tryout she said welter at this level i can teach other people to do what you do but i cannot double your size no matter what so you know you can only dominate with what you've got mm-hmm. but whoever your coach is has a different philosophy if i was on a team where they had other people who could do what i do um, and were lacking on speed then maybe that's where they would have put me. But we had a small team at Boston College and I was one of the only ones who was willing to take on that tough job. So, you know, you do it all the time and you see guys who progress into, you know, say higher levels of other sports and the only way they can take them is if they would have, what, switched their positions or things like that, but they had to do it based on the system they were in or the team they were on. So the same thing with me. Um, But as I got into it, you know, had a degree from Boston College, which I still find funny. I have my BS degree. Um, so you better recognize you're going to get BS and and a little bit of a little bit of the business no matter what. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I started working corporate for the first time. And yet I was teaching aerobics before and after work. And um, I was playing flag football on weekends. And the general manager of the mass mutiny called the flag league I was playing in and said, do you have any girls who you think could play tackle? And full disclosure, coming from rugby, I'd never stopped tackling. So they were probably like, please take her. Uh, She doesn't pull flags anyway, Um, which I really didn't. And so that's when I got recruited to the Mass Mutiny um, and then played for them for uh, two seasons, then the Dallas Dragons for one, the Dallas Diamonds for 10, the US national team, in 2010 and 13, and then the Texas Revolution in 2014.
1: And what's the salary like when you get there? It, it, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably not enough to quit your day job, right?
0: So um, the first time I ever got played, paid for playing what they would call, well, I refer to as uh, pro football, because mm-hmm. uh, it was the top level, but you know, we couldn't afford the professional; That was way out of our budget um the first time i got a check was in 2014 we had just won our first championship uh we went 12 and 0 undefeated and we got a check for twelve (laughs) dollars
1: why twelve dollars
0: it was a dollar a game
1: no way that's great and the, the the reason i ask about this is i dated somebody and i hope this isn't insulting way back in the day who was in the the lingerie football league um, and I, I, she would get the shit beat out of her. I've got um, a lot of
2: friends who do that. Actually. Yeah. I, and a bunch and, of my military friends do that still. She, it was aggressive and
1: hardcore and she would come home with bruises and all kinds of other shit. And I was just like, holy shit, how much are you getting paid for this? And it was nothing. I mean, it, they were just doing it for fun and like social media aspects and things like that. And I was like, wow, why do you want to do this? Um, yeah.
0: For us, it's a little different than you know the lingerie football league. Like the the way that they're pitched is that it's a gateway to modeling, acting, some of those other things. Correct. Yeah. Um, yep. For us who were playing, uh, for me, mm-hmm. it was a challenge to change society through sport. Right. They call football the final frontier for women in sports, and so for us that were sacrificing and not doing it for social media likes who were really playing the game the way it's it's supposed to be played 11 on 11 full gear, uh, you know, fully padded, um, same, same game as the guys. It was, if this is the final frontier and we are here when we can change the sport, we can also shift culture. Um, and so it was really a belief that this sport, especially in America is something that, has to change for us to truly start to look at what equality is
2: well why why does uh, that doesn't let me let me push back a little bit on that i mean no one's entitled to anything ultimately sports is a tv show right the reason that it exists is because you can sell advertising on it otherwise no one would ever make any money
0: not right? wait, you're gonna tell me that sports exists just to make money you're yes. going to tell me that when you go play yes. backyard.
2: I'm telling Back- you that the only reason that cable television is still on the air, the only reason that network television even exists right now is because of not live why sports. sports
0: exists.
2: Well, it's why it no. exists. It's why people can do that's it professionally. 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 Because professionally.
0: Because it's t- fundamentally what we do. No,
2: okay. no, 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 no. But, but professionally
1: to get paid, yeah. it is pure entertainment. It's we a talk TV about show. It, Yeah, we talk yeah. about it, this on the show all the time because, like, I, look, you take the men's U.S. soccer team. They're fucking terrible. They shouldn't even
2: exist. I feel like there should be uh, yes. They should be in relegation and not allowed to play on the international level until they can actually win. <laughs> frankly, I mean it's embarrassing, and the women light people up all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're world champions, so it's like it, it goes both ways. But um, pro- professional sports is just simply to sell ads. Um, you know, I was in Hollywood for a long time. Like fuck, it. they don't they don't give a shit what you put yeah. on the air as long as it's making money. Yeah. The Mass Singer's the best goddamn example of that. Like, that's the highest rated show on TV, and it's the dumbest thing of it all time. It is the time. dumbest
2: shit I've ever seen. Yeah, there, there's no... My uh, kids love it, there's, but... There's no guarantee that you're going to get paid to do what you love anywhere in life, right? That's just not how life works. So I, I wonder if... Uh, you're talking about changing culture. What, what exactly about the culture are you intending to change? Because you can get together with your friends right now and go play football anytime you want. No one's stopping you, you from doing that.
0: You don't think it changed culture? When I went toe to toe and played football against men, you don't think it changed culture? Well, you t- I'm asking you. I can't prove a negative. female coach in the National Football League. I, well, football. I can't. And I can prove but, a negative. So but, tell, me, tell me. Tell me how it changed culture. It. Let me finish.
2: Yeah, I asked you okay. a question. You're asking me a question in return. I'm gonna write right? it back to you. Tell, tell me how it changed culture. I'm, this I'm is curious. how it
0: changes culture. Okay. The expectation of where you can or cannot have people in our society mm. has traditionally been shifted through sports integration racial integration where did that shift through sports Mm -hmm. okay it was used in south africa it was here to integrate football it was here to integrate basketball so if we talk about gender equality yes it's going to shift in sports as well and to have america's game only be for half of america no that's not that's not equality that's not culture so yes you can change a lot of perceptions through sports Think about the narrative that they used to have. I'm interviewing Warren Moon later. Mm -hmm. The narrative that they used to have about African-Americans in football, that they weren't smart enough to play quarterback. How did that get shifted? It got shifted through playing the game and setting the example of playing it the right way. And for teammates to get to be on the same field and appreciate that they were better together and their differences weren't actually disadvantages, they were advantages. It takes sometimes being on the same field with people. And we say game recognizes game, right? Us being on the same field, we can see that we think a lot more alike than we do differently. We can see oh yeah, that was a great call. Here, we can do this. Oh man, you know ball. Yeah, yeah, I know ball. You know ball. And that's not a gender thing, that's a knowledge thing, that's a work thing, that's a talent thing. And yes, seeing those things and answering those questions as opposed to avoiding them, it shifts culture. Now, does it change everybody's mind? No, but does it have the opportunity to? Yeah, it absolutely does. Well,
2: but you, you say that um, uh, America's game was only America's game for half of Americans. Uh, about nine point four one thousandth of a percent of the human beings that live in America right now have played in the NFL. So
0: it's not about the NFL. It's about if you're a boy, you can play. If you're a girl, you can't. Right. There are not opportunities. So whether or not you took it to the highest level or not, or whether or not you even decided to play, someone else decided for us that uh, we
2: could Sure, play. yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there have been some women that in the high school, maybe even the college level could have competed, but not, we're talking about like the NFL at this point, right?
0: Yeah, but we're yes. also talking about whether or not you have the right to play. And Correct. see, for most of us as women, we weren't even getting, gotten, Given the opportunity to play, whether or not you wanted us to play against guys or we wanted to play, you know, uh, women's football, the opportunities weren't there. So that culturally is inequitable at its core. And so, yes, shifting culture means whether or not we want to play where now, okay, flag football is a varsity sport in college. You can get an NAIA scholarship to go play varsity sport as a female. That is shifting culture. And that is changing where America's game, football, mm. could be played by women. Yes, against women. It doesn't have to be against the mm. guys. It doesn't have to be taking their spots. But why are we saying this, this is the greatest game there is, the greatest show on turf, all of these things, and saying as long as it's just guys doing it?
2: Right. Well, yes, yeah, certainly not. And I don't think it would be you taking – if you were capable of playing in the NFL, it wouldn't be taking a guy's spot. I mean, but somebody, say somebody. Both well, things. that's that's fucking stupid. Yeah, I think like it's people who too are the, better the than best. other people take their spots too. But the best not, should be the you're not the guaranteed best, anything. Yeah. The, sports but is that
0: used to be okay, but that used to be the race objection, mm. right? We've done this through society. The way we keep people out is they just don't get the opportunity, and then once they do, you see it on merit. And you can't you can't say, oh, this can't possibly work anymore. Right, but. If you knew how hard it was to open these doors, what I've done for the last 20 some odd years of my life, uh, yeah, it shifts culture quite a bit. And it is hard and you do get pushed back at every step of the way. But if no one's willing to go through it and nobody's willing to change it, then it never changes.
1: So what would your dream be ultimately That you know, growing up for, for boys and girls, there would be two separate leagues and and girls could have the opportunity to play football in every city across America.
0: For sure. I don't, I don't think that the ultimate, um, test or testament of a woman's ability should be whether or not she has the opportunity to compete against a man. If you want to play, you should be able to play, right. And be the very best that you can take it to the highest level. Get to love it the same way that the boys do. Get to grow up with the dream of, you know, catching a pass, running running uh, a route, scoring a touchdown, having fans cheer for you. That's not too much to ask.
2: No, not at all. And, and- even the vast majority of men can't compete at even the junior varsity high school level, right? You remember but they high have school.
0: opportunity to try.
2: Certainly they have the opportunity to try, but we're talking about like i mean this is I, i'm not i'm not i'm not the sure extreme.
0: i'm saying give them the opportunity to have the dream those boys whether or not they top out in junior high or not they could still have that dream when they're a kid and they could right. chase it as far as they want to and that's how, what we're let, talking
1: about okay. is there enough women out there though that actually want to do it and i'm, I'm asking as
2: a serious question because i don't know the answer probably as right
0: freaking literally so. there are
1: i There's, don't know There are yeah.
2: professional women's rugby leagues i would assume there would be the same amount of people like women like the play sports just as much as anybody else I would imagine. Football Absolutely. though is it, it's just a it's particularly brutal yeah yeah and it's I mean unless you're at the absolute highest level it doesn't pay you anything there's
0: but you're not just doing it because of getting paid
2: no for sure the reason the reason the U.S. women's the reason the U.S. women's national soccer team is so much better than the men's and so much better than a lot of the other international teams is because the vast majority of professional female athletes that are intent on performing at the highest possible level. they can go to either soccer or the WNBA. right it's mm-hmm. that's pretty much all that exists opportunity wise you can call it whatever you want but those leagues exist right that's why we're so good at those particular sports right like on the international level right against everybody else doesn't it's different we talk about this all the time it's different for men here because our the talent pool for men is divested into a thousand different things athletically speaking.
1: Yeah. And by the way, the reason we ask again is more so out of curiosity because, um, you know, I have two boys, for example, right. I'm having a hard time finding a tackle football league to put them in simply because uh, CTE head injuries, all that stuff. They, they want the kids to essentially play flag football up until eighth grade and then hop into pads and do it. Um, I've coached a, a bunch of my son's teams, baseball, soccer, all that stuff. Uh, there isn't too many women or or, I'm sorry, girls who were either crossing over to a soccer team because, you know, women's soccer already exists. uh, Girls soccer already exists or T-ball or, or, or something like that, for example. Um, And I haven't seen too many in flag football. Uh, Did you growing up?
0: You haven't seen too many in flag football?
1: No, not at all, Uh, but I'm in, I'm in Texas. So
2: I, I, I don't know. Maybe Texas, you, is, behind. You, Texas you,
0: is behind in flag that is that is 100% that's weird though correct. isn't
2: it is like it seems like Texas and Florida are the two places in the United States where football is like life and culture it's the best recruits it seems, it it's seems the really, best group recruits it, in the nation it yeah. seems odd to me like they've had I think there have been professional women's rugby teams here but it's odd to me that there isn't more of a, a system for women to play something like that right yeah so we never had one come through the system although I guess so this, I didn't, the I soccer didn't... teams here are big right tcu has got a big there's a lot of really big like powerful soccer programs here in texas so maybe that's where all the talent goes i don't know i'm not sure Uh, yeah i'll
0: give you a big a big comparison for football Mm. um being from florida um football has been or flag football has been a varsity sport for girls in florida since
1: 1999 Mm. okay all
0: right those girls ball. Like I dare you to go down there and not see the best of the best in terms of girls playing football. So it has been one there. Now, I mean, I've done 38 girls football camps across the country, right? That's been um, a huge thing that I've been driving. The NAIA just had its first season last year with varsity collegiate flag football. And several of those girls had come out of my programs. If you look at 14 new girls right now, Um, playing in some of the biggest competitions across the country, you will see ballers. Look at the Apex Predators out of um, Vegas. If you want to see great girls flag football, you actually have one of the best in, in Texas. It's the Texas Fury. Check those girls out. They ball. And there are more and more girls all the time who want to play. The trick is that before that, they were never ever given the opportunity to decide that they wanted to play.
2: Right. But there's no infrastructure for that. And here's what I mean. You you may say that it's not about uh, uh, them getting paid and you're, you're probably right. I think the vast majority of women who get into athletics assume they're not going to because of the lack of, of opportunity, but the opportunity in college and NFL football is that it makes a fuckload of money. The reason that the vast majority of other varsity sports exist at these major universities is because the college football program subsidizes all of it. They don't make any money. And Fields cost money, jerseys cost money, your time cost money, coaching cost money, referees cost, all of this costs money. So I, I think there's certainly a level of misogyny involved in this, but there's also a level of the fact that there's no top level organization that makes money that subsidizes all the rest of this stuff. That's how that works. That's a supply chain, right? Like Do you, young, young you, boys in Texas are a supply chain item to the okay, NFL so or to college football. Just
0: FYI, uh, last year, the NFL pledged, um, in partnership with Nike pledged $5 million to the development of high school girls, collegiate flag bu- football. Right. But that's, 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 that's virtue signaling entries. that
2: that's virtue signaling that doesn't actually benefit them in any way other than socially. You Cause know you I mean? need a lot more than $5 million. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, it's the same with the but- WNBA. They've never made a sing. They've not made $1 ever. Like they're entirely subsidized by the NBA. And okay, so- I don't know. I don't know why, like they, everybody get got butt hurt when Shaq's talked about lowering the rim, but they use a smaller ball. What's the difference? Like people want to see exciting shit. Yeah. Whether it's dunking or blocks okay, or tackles. So, so let's back
0: up because you're putting a lot of things on a lot of things. And a lot of them I would interject on. Sure. Number one, the WNBA is exciting to watch. If you look at the vantage point of what makes the WNBA great, it's actually the teamwork, the passing, mm-hmm. ball maneuvering. And yes, some of them can dunk. But if that was your, expert, if that was your first exposure to basketball, and then you watch the guys game through that lens, you would say, why don't they pass more? So it's not, I don't think that's not, true.
2: I mean, nobody wants to see Princeton pass the ball fifteen times and then take a three pointer like back in ninety nine. When you yeah. do it appreciate he,
0: the game. Like you do actually appreciate the way that they play it.
2: Maybe I mean, but you're talking to, we,
0: of how to play the game. Yeah, the yeah. lens through which the guys play It's it? true. not not everybody thinks that that's the best way to play it. No, that's for your sure. opinion, that's fine. Well,
2: that's the that's the majority opinion. The people that spend money on the game, right? So we we had this uh, conversation. You, I, wait,
0: you are not the one who's making the decision for the majority of people who play money for the game. I no, don't the, understand why the, this is getting the viewers. To a the viewers are. versus boys conversation. Well, it's right not. Here. It's not about but that because, because there are other girls all day.
2: There are women sports that are like soccer for example in America they get watched way more than the men's sports do because they're better at it right just how it is so i'm not i'm not trying to say what everybody thinks what i'm saying is the dollar speaks louder than anything else when people spend people will spend their money on what they want to see and they're not spending their money on these versions of women's sports just how it is right
1: all right guys all right guys look we got some sponsors who pay for the show to be on the air? So before we get back at it, it's uh, killcliff.com. Promo code Drinking Bros gets you 30% off and free shipping there. And that's on all products, kids, all products at uh, killcliff.com. It used to be killcliffcbd.com. Now it is killcliff.com because they have a, a ton of amazing drinks that are all combined into one safe space. Go to KillCliff.com today. He's the promo code Bros for 30% off and free shipping. That is 30% off and free shipping, uh, which is a monstrous deal, and that is including their CBD beverages. Um, Those are my favorites. 25 milligrams of uh, CBD in every single can. I love them more than life itself. I drink a grape or a a Joe Rogan uh, Flamin' Joe every single night probably uh, because it helps me go to bed. Also, there is no THC in their CBD drinks, so you will not piss hot on a drug test. I can promise you that. You don't want to trust uh, some other weird company, man, who's, who's new to the space. You don't know where that CBD is coming from. Go to KillCliff.com today. Get your KillCliff CBD there, 25 milligrams in every single can. It's great with a little vodka tonight. not going to lie to you. Uh, go to KillCliff.com today, 30% off with the promo code Bros and free shipping. That's including the Ignite drinks uh, that that Joe Rogan has got as well over there. Next up, we got MyBookie.com. Let's go. Man, get a little anxious for tonight's game here. Uh, Hawks are plus seven. Hawks are plus seven at MyBookie. I've already bet it. I've already bet it. I don't know if Trey. We've been on air all day. I don't know if Trey Trey Young is playing or not. I'm saying he's got the heart of a warrior, so I'm going to hammer it. Uh, I put a, an Ariana Grande on the Hawks tonight, plus seven on mybookie.com. But you can bet on anything. Look, we're all going to that McGregor fight. You can you can bet on that as well. Um, the, all of the lines are up. Uh, the the lines are up for the Jake Paul fight too. Um, College basketball uh, is not there. However, college football is there already. Let's go. And uh, so is the NFL. They've already got some Super Bowl lines up there. So uh, all the the junkie shit we talk about on all the sports shows and everything else, we bet on mybookie.com. It is one of the easiest uh gambling sites there is because they don't require a state or anything like that hey any state you live in congratulations you can bet on it go to mybookie.com today promo code drinking bros will get you up to a thousand dollars on your deposit there so if you're you know trying to put 10 grand in you want a free 10 grand they're not going to do that but they'll, they'll match it up to $1,000 in there at mybookie.com. Again, promo code Drinking Bros will get you that, dude. It's nice to wake up with extra money in your bank account. I am hammering the Hawks tonight. Uh, plus seven. Come on, Trey Young. I need you. Last but not least, ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Let's get wet. Let's. Uh, let's do it. Fourth of July is uh, right around the corner. They've already started Dem Deals. Uh, Dem Deals have already started on GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. What you need to do is just go there and find the deal that is best for you. Now, if you want uh, a mattress, congratulations. You can get that, and then you can get two free pillows with it. Now, if you want a bundle package of like an adjustable base, and then the mattress and pillows with it, you can get that as well. Also, when you check out, they got a 36-month pay-as-you-go program. No interest there if you have decent credits. Uh, you can bundle all of the deals that I just mentioned together, along with all the crazy 4th of July deals on their site together. And then at checkout, see how much that's going to cost you per month for the next 36 months. If you need a new bedroom set, now is the time. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today and take advantage of all of the 4th of July deals. So, okay.
0: Well, I'm going to encourage you to go to look at the research from the fan project. Uh, which is actually looked at this from a a data perspective, part of the reason why you don't get the same consumption of women's sports that you get to men is that 4% of media coverage goes to women in sports. 0.4% of dollars in sponsorships are dedicated to women in sports. But when you look at alternative streaming platforms and some of those, the numbers flip. So part of it is the chicken or the egg. Oh, well, we don't watch women's sports, but you also don't show the same uh, highlights of women's sports. You don't get the same exposure, which means you don't have the same eyeballs and the same opportunities for people to become fans. So it's not fair to compare them and say, "Oh, we just don't like this or we're not watching it." They also don't have the same points of exposure mm-hmm. to be able to look at them and make a choice.
2: Right, but you don't li- have the life's same exposure
0: fair. to posters and all of those things. For sure, there's a but- lot of societal so- socialization mechanisms mm-hmm. that you're not taking to an account in your argument.
2: Right. Well, maybe, but I mean, my argument isn't that women's sports are intrinsically inferior to men's I don't give a shit about that that's meaningless to me it's it is a an economic meritocracy people will either spend money on it or they won't right everybody knows that these things exist and if they don't they don't care you know what I mean people the vast majority of people are not hardcore fans of any particular sport we talked about this last week with UFC the vast majority of people aren't extreme fight fans they want to see people get knocked the fuck out the vast majority of baseball fans don't care that base running is now at an all-time worst since we've been recording data. Base runners suck now. They're not paying attention. Their fundamentals are shit. And the chances are people who are not as athletically talented as these people would be better at those fundamentals, and the WNBA is an example of that. But the vast majority of people who are fans that spend money on this stuff and develop and build the infrastructure for it do not care about fundamentals. They care about dunks, knockouts, home runs, big hits, et cetera
0: actually incorrect when you talk about consumption in that way you're talking about how guys consume sports and how guys become sports fans you're not talking about females the research says the women want to see behind the helmet they want to see the person that plays the game and if you don't have exposure to those personalities if the storytelling isn't there if we're not looking beyond just the stats then if the women especially if they didn't play the game and haven't been socialized to it the same way they're not tuning in so the consumption and the fan development is fundamentally different for female in sports than it is for men which means if they're not getting the media exposure and they're not getting told the stories then you're not getting them as fans because if they didn't grow up playing the sport then just a dunk or just the stats aren't going to turn it on or off for them and by the way 87 percent of the purchasing power lies with women so when you're talking about jersey sales and ticket sales might want to get in, on board to how the women become fans and how they consume it. Guys are the ones that will have the same Jersey uh, for about 30 years when it used to fit them women, not the same story.
2: Okay. Well, that's not that's not reflected in the economy of sports in any way. I'm sorry. Like I understand what you're saying might be true uh, in a sense, but the fact, the facts are that the women aren't, aren't spending that money on stuff. And if they are, they're doing it. I've worked in marketing for a very long time. It's some very, very large companies. And, women typically buy shit. They, 63% of all household purchases are made by women, right? The vast majority mm-hmm. of them. Uh, but about half of those purchases are made on behalf of their spouse. So you, you convince the woman that the man thinks it's cool. She buys it for him. That's typically how it works. and, and and if you're, if you're a male-dominated industry, that's how even you it. Even you in
1: podcasting, by the way, our female shows on our network book out faster than the men because it's, it's the women buying Women you are know? better at
2: selling shit, yeah. frankly. Yeah. It's, you might, you might, you're onto something for sure when it comes to the narrative and the storytelling not being very good. The WNBA has existed for 25 years. The average age of a WNBA player is 27. They were two years old when this league started, and they still haven't made a dime yeah. off of this. So it's not like people don't know. Everybody knows that the WNBA exists. For the last 10 years or so, ESPN's made it a point to do that. And I think, you know, good for them for doing it. But there's where's the result? Where, is, where are the dollars going into female sports anywhere? If women are oh. making 87% of purchases, if they're 87% of the purchasing power and they, are, they want to be involved in sports, where is the result of that? Where is the evidence of any of that existing that you're talking about? Why don't you
0: look at female merchandise growth versus
2: male? Look at what now? I'm sorry?
0: Female fan merchandise growth Mm -hmm. in purchasing and consumption versus
1: male. Oh, well, look, that I know and I have the answer for. So Alyssa Milano actually was the one who cracked the code on that with the Dodgers. uh, And then she got in all the jerseys. And that is correct. Um, Because, yes, with the jerseys and everything else, uh, yeah, dudes will wear shit for 30 years. And that's totally true. I still have the same Ohio State gear that I had in college. It still fits and I still wear it to the games. Um, With women... I think you have an opportunity to treat it more like fashion where you're able to build cooler jerseys and retros and throwbacks and all that other stuff, and women will definitely buy that. But as far as a product on the field, sports-wise, mm-hmm. um, when you have these flashy knockouts and uh, you know, goals and everything like, like Dan was talking about earlier, I mean, take uh, Amanda Nunes in, uh, in the UFC, like she's, Ronda Rousey.
2: I think pound for pound, she's probably the most dominant fighter on earth right now. Oh yes, because I, I mean, any I, I can't think of. I can if if John Jones fought Francis Ngannou, I could see Ngannou winning that fight, maybe. Right, right, right. If anybody on earth fought uh, uh, Amanda Nunes, right I, yeah. I I I don't know of a woman that could that I would be that I would even think that they would beat. there. If, if, if she got beat by anybody else in her weight class, I would be shocked.
1: But the, that. but the point is like somebody like her or Rhonda Rousey put asses in the seats because of their knockouts, because of these short clips, mm. because of the attention span of, of average American kids. And I'm not now. just talking about, they running. just want to see like a, an 18 second clip on Twitter yeah. of some crazy knockout or a dunk or something like that. Um but look, it's for the Never same reason I
0: say that women can't do those those kinds of things. I've got some great tackles for you. You could turn on. There's some knockout punches there. I mean, but you also have to get the same exposure. And so when four percent of the media coverage goes to women in sports, that's a problem. That means people aren't having the same opportunity to develop the fan base. Well, how much so of it, it is chicken and the egg, right? right? Part of that yeah, yeah. is a systemic problem, and that is a systemic problem.
2: How much? Is how, a problem. how much of the total recorded sports happening on on video, for example, are male versus female? Though, like, if it's if just just for argument's sake, if it's if four percent yeah, if four percent right? of all like, the sports being played are by women, which nobody
0: listens. Doesn't well, I make mean, sense.
2: if four percent of all the sports at the professional level are being played by women and ninety six percent by men, then that distribution makes sense, right? I mean, you this if, is this is so a math problem. Well, how how do you know? Where's the data?
0: It's not a sports distribution. It's also an exposure problem. 4%, you're going to argue with me? Like on 4%, that's well, a known stat. I'm, I'm talking and about, no, 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 I, I
2: don't know the stat. I mean, I assume you're right about it. That's not what I'm questioning. I'm questioning whether the total output of produced content of sports, does 4% represent the amount that women produce or is it something but different? But you're
0: talking produced content versus sports media coverage, okay? That's, so, you can only content, cover, look,
2: you, you cover what is made. Like we, we record the shows we make and then we, produ- we put them out. We don't like, there's no other information to put out. That's not how that works. You know what I mean? If, if 96% of something is this and 4% is this, then that's how much but you're going
0: to report on it. 4% of sports being played by women.
2: Well, where's the data though? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, what what, what is the number then?
1: Yeah. Is what he's asking. What what is the number uh, for women's sports for, and you'll and have men? to bear
2: with me. I'm very autistic. I need and I need numbers for any of this to make sense. Yeah,
1: to some me. of these are genuine questions, by well, the way. Well no, they're like, all genuine questions. We don't
2: know. Well, no, I mean some of them are facetious, like
1: you
0: know. Uh, no, I think
1: some of it is facetious. <laughs> no, <but> no, no, no. <laughs> no. we're totally I'm serious. fucking No, I'm, he's being totally serious. I'm
2: I'm I'm a fucking all I care about in life is math. If the numbers make sense, then it makes sense to me. And this, these numbers that you're telling me, maybe they make sense. Maybe they don't, but I don't know. If 4% of the content generated is female, then 4% it's distribution 4% in the media. It's 4% of the
0: content generated. But I will say that one of the things I was trying to, to say is mm-hmm. the development of a fan base, right. From mm-hmm. a female standpoint needs more extended storytelling. And that right. is one thing that has fallen short. What well, we do you think like 30 for 30 about.
2: changes that at all? 30 for 30 and some of the HBO stuff with with those guys that probably has some effect you would think. If women like the storytelling even, thing.
0: Even if you look at so let's not talk um male versus women like female in right. terms of the sports. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just put that like asleep for a second. Sure. Development of fan base of even female fan consumption among males in sports comes through generally extended storytelling, if they're not the hardcore, I played the sport, because a lot of women didn't have the opportunity to play the same sports, right? It comes through the extended narrative of the player. I wanna know who he is in his life. And so when you tell those stories, yes, it absolutely increases the fandom, right? So the same logic can be extended to, if you just say, this is how they develop fans, it is psychologically, they want to know the story. That's right. all so where they consume merchandise is like they want it's not just the brand or a price break. They want it to believe in something. They want it to mean something. When I wear this jersey, it's not just this guy had the most tackles. It's like, oh man, did you see what he did with his daughter? Right. right. Like think about Leah Strong and some of those phenomenon. It was not only is this guy a great player, but he is a great person. And, and that is an important element that we can expand fan base and sports consumption through inviting people to know the people in it. And this is, this is something that even struggles from people who wear a helmet versus who don't, because we don't get to see their face. We don't get to see their facial expressions. That I was mean, a big problem in the NFL dad, in
2: the 90s. Right? A lot of uh, the Players yeah. Association was super pissed about that in the 90s, about how players were required to keep their helmets on to the sidelines and nobody mm-hmm. ever saw their face. So when they did a commercial, yeah. nobody gave a shit, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. they don't uh, know who they are. But who's, who's at fault here? I mean, we're, we talk about it's easy to blame some kind of systemic misogyny or lack of opportunity, but the WNBA has existed for 25 years. They've had all the opportunities they need to tell their stories, but nobody gives a shit. Right. So what
0: Well, I wouldn't say, okay, first of all, they haven't had the same opportunities because they haven't had the same resources behind, it, right? Wherever you but say, but where do resources come like, from resources on, come because
2: on. people watch the stuff. Like you're not entitled hold to on, be a professional on, on. basketball player. No, no.
0: Lots of the NBA teams lose money. You have billionaires, boys right. clubs owners who don't need it to turn a profit the same way that you do. in a lot of the ownership groups that are owning women's sports, right? They're not necessarily coming from that billionaire fund, which does mean they are at a fundamental disadvantage, whether or not it's profitable or not. So you can't right. make that argument. That's well, I certainly
2: care. can because sports is a business, right? right. If, but if it's, if it's not profitable, in, it goes away. If they away. can
0: lose money, no, no. If they can come in and they lose money, this is a this is a point of pride. This is a toy. Mm-hmm. And the women's ownership group doesn't have money to burn at the same extent then, no, they're not on equal footing to go with consumption because consumption is also driven by investment.
1: But don't you think the sports need superstars? Like, if if there was a woman who came out and just started dunking all over everyone, uh, like to me, because like I don't give a shit about m- like male or female or, or whatever it is. I just want to see the most exciting shit. Like, I would pay just the same amount of money to watch Ronda Rousey as I would to watch Conor McGregor um, just because she was so exciting.
0: Yes, sure.
1: I, I can't, like, but outside of soccer, track and field, uh, gymnastics, Simone Biles, like I'm, I'm amped about her in the Olympics this summer. I think it's going to be amazing. I can't name any WNBA players that have captured my attention or the rest of America's attention to warrant that type of media coverage. And, and I guess that's that's where I'm going with the female football league as well. Um, do you think it would benefit if you guys had a social media team to show some, like, some of your hits? like? Absolutely i'd love absolutely. to see like do you have reels up of yourself on youtube knocking chicks out like
0: they exist unfortunately i wish i was there in the social media era when they could have been recorded to the same God extent with the same quality right. right like we didn't have access to the same camera work we mm. weren't getting produced for television so that is again a chicken and egg scenario mm. but when we talk about shifting culture ronda rousey absolutely shifted the culture of mma Because Dana White at one point said he would never have a female fighter. So when we talk about culture shift, yes, it requires people to do it. It requires them to be the person out front, which means taking arrows from the front and the back. So yes, all sports um, benefit from having superstars. All sports benefit from being able to afford social media teams to have better camera crews to have all of those things. They also benefit from developing fan base by being able to do things for the youth, right? Like, but those things also take time to build up and they take resources. Now, wherever you get them, um, you know, those things are different. But yes, you are you are absolutely correct. Any sport benefits from a superstar. MMA was changed forever, whether you like her or don't by the existence of Ronda Rousey. Right. Every one of these women who is knocking folks out with huge crowds to this day, even if they don't love Ronda Rousey, they should really thank her because she fought before it was sexy, right? Like, and that means it's hard. And for any of us who have come out in front, like, it's hard for us. And it does take people who are hard nosed and willing to do it for no money and willing to do it. For the sacrifice and willing to do it because we have a fundamental belief and a passion that we can shift culture and that it's, it's not just what we do. It's who we are in the world and believing that we can, we can through passion, power, and purpose, create a world where the girl's born now don't have to look at sports as a place that they don't belong to the same extent that they can grow up with those same dreams. That's what the goal is that our fight is so that they don't have to fight the same way. doesn't mean it won't be hard, but the permission to dream and even seeing things on TV and being able to be exposed to being able to buy someone's Jersey, right. And wear it. Like as a girl, if you can't see someone who's like you, then where do you get the belief that that's what you can do? Oh,
2: I, don't- here, here's what I wonder. And this is, again, this goes back to a math problem. I'm not trying to be reductive or anything, but uh, what percentage of women want to be athletic or dream of, of making the game winning catch or hitting a home run in the bottom of the ninth versus the percentage of men who do that? So we're talking about purchasing power, right? but that that is white th-
0: women are shown to the oh, same extent boy. that their pursuit in sports is as valuable as the guys
2: okay that's not the question i asked so yeah, get, but let me let me finish does, my fucking question if, jesus christ
0: please don't cuss at me i don't need you to cuss at me
2: great what i'm All saying
0: right. is that you your ca- ability this is to my show is cool. can
2: we cut this off please this is in this shit cuz i'm not going we'll, we'll we'll finish later uh, with this this is nonsense i'm not going to be talked over just trying to have a conversation with you and you want your shit to move forward. This is not the fucking way to do it, frankly. Sorry. And
0: you think it's okay to cuss at me? Like
2: I swear. Fuck is a comma for me. I'm in the, I was in the military for Christ's sake. I'm not being a dick to you. This is how I talk. Like that's pretty thin skin for somebody that's trying to change life and, and all this stuff, change culture. Let's, let's get fucking adult about this.
0: I mean,
1: did you not hear any language like that in the NFL?
0: Not not like, let's fucking this. Yeah, like as if it was just a part of the conversation, but not directly to me being like, I shouldn't have a point.
2: No one said you shouldn't have a point, but you really shouldn't jump in when somebody else is talking and just start talking over them to make a point that has nothing to do with what I was saying, right? That's not really how a conversation works.
0: The proportion of where girls can dream in this world, it 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 is impacted by what we show and see.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. That's not the point I was making. The point I was making is, right now as a business, what percentage of women care about being that versus what percentage of men? Because it affects purchasing power. If 87% of women, or I'm sorry, if 87% of purchasing power is by women, that's fine. But what is their motivation for purchasing? Is it to buy stuff for the men in their life because they like the sport? Is it because they actually like it? Is because they aspire to it? These are motivations that matter in marketing. And if you don't know them, you can't make money. And none of this shit is going to change without money. It never, ever, it will never change without money. That's why nobody watches the WNBA, right? They have done a terrible job at marketing their product oh, for twenty for oh for. There are people in the league that weren't born yet when this started, right? And it's that's how old it is at this point. I just don't understand how. I don't understand the expectation that everyone should just have be able be able to do whatever they want. Like your 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 point before was that billionaires aren't spending money on women's sports that's because nobody watches them it's not because no one there's no clout there that's if if it's about clout then that's what it is right
0: but but i didn't say that billionaires aren't spending money on women's sports what i said is if a billionaire which a lot of them do and some of these teams lose money okay some of the men's teams lose money so if we're making the money argument A billionaire can afford to take that hit because there's a different motivation in owning that team. A lot of the women who own the teams don't have a billionaire background.
2: Well, there's, there's a hundred, there's a hundred, there's a hundred female billionaires in, in, in the United States, first of all. So I don't know what, what that is, but, uh, the, the idea that professional sports teams on a year to year basis lose money, that's absolutely true. But viewership grows, the, the cost per eyeball grows. So. If if over the last fifteen years uh, Manchester United had lost a hundred million dollars a year, they would still be worth ten times that much uh, uh, based on how much they were worth before, just because of the way that it's like a mortgage property, like equity grows in that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But equity is not growing in the WMB; they continue to cost money, right? They're not. They, it's it's not about losing a hundred million dollars this year as a professional sports team and being able to handle that because you're a billionaire, you buy the team. I buy the Red Sox today for $4 billion in 15 years, it's going to be worth 10 billion. So it doesn't matter if I lose a hundred million a year, it's still an investment that makes sense. These are businessmen. They're not throwing their money away. That's just not, I don't, that, that premise is not true.
0: But I'm not saying that they threw their money away, but if you have a, if you have a surplus of money, then that is a, an investment that you can make in that way. Unfortunately, the ownership groups of a lot of women's franchises, traditionally, and it's getting better, have not had that same surplus, right? And and that means that, you know, yes, we would love to spend money in this way, but they may be handicapped on what that backlog is to be able to develop forward. For sure, that's all I'm saying. But that's
2: what an economic meritocracy is, right?
0: But is it a meritocracy if the guys are starting with billions and the women are starting with hundreds? It's a meritocracy I
2: mean, because the viewers watch the men's sports and they don't watch the women's sports. And there right.
1: is there is women who and it's are not, billionaires.
2: But, so why aren't they spending yeah. money on women like yeah. like
1: the the girl from Spanx, for example? And I know that's a, a shitty example. I just well, happen to be watching Shark incredibly Tank. Incredibly
2: generous, though. She gave away like half of her wealth.
1: Totally, so yeah. totally. But like, are you calling on women like her to step up and 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 give more money?
0: Um, I would love to see her get involved now, and I say involved because of this. You, don't, you need money, and you need that badass businesswoman, right? Like we, you know, being able to even have access to sit in some of sit in some of the rooms, right? Like, I mean, you you need all of those components, and and I don't say it's one of the things that is has been one of the core things that I've learned from Mm -hmm. is like, is being around these guys, honestly, and being able to learn how they did business versus what I was taught. Mm -hmm. We were allowed to even think in this sport.
2: That's a big problem right there because uh, you're absolutely right about That's a huge problem for whatever reason over the last hundred years or so. We have assigned these traits of business to men. That's you, you have to act like a man in business. No, you have to do business in business. That's how you do business. It's not masculine or feminine. It just is. That's what the fuck it is. And we have a tendency, if something is male-dominated or any of the other majority group-dominated, to assign that as an intrinsic value to that particular group of people. That is not true. That is how you do that. There's a way to chop a fucking tree down, right? Right. And it's not a male look, way or a if female I've never way met you chop Atlanta. down a tree.
0: If I never met a lumberjack, I'm probably gonna be pretty awkward trying to chop down the for tree.
2: sure right so the the solution isn't to uh expect anything at all but rather to do what other people are doing that's already successful right look
0: I love being invited into the room yeah but you, the the so expectation
2: much- should be that you should be in the room in the first or you should be invited into the room always that should be the expectation that's not the point the point right. is that uh 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 the idea that We're going to remake the game. Well, we're going to do this, but for women, that doesn't make sense. That thing exists because it exists. It's successful because it exists, right? Or I'm sorry, it exists because it is successful. So trying to reinvent the wheel is not a good idea. That's why I like the fact that you got involved in the actual NFL and didn't just go try to start some new league off the bat. Yeah, you're 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 one of the few people
1: who is actually trying to make the change. I just don't know that there's enough women like you who are trying to make this change because I mean, look, you were the first female NFL coach. How did that even happen, for example? I mean, how did you get pitched? Did you pitch yourself? Cuz it seems so fucking crazy that like who did that for you? Who made that call? Or how did you get the call? Mm-hmm.
0: So, it happened because I played with the guys. Literally. Like because we were on the same field every day, doing the same things, I learned to be a better teammate with them, right? Like I went from being one of the best in the world to now all of a sudden I'm scratching and clawing and fighting to, you know, whether it's to survive. Mm. And it's not, I didn't bang down the door of them, right? They came to me. They actually wanted to use me as a publicity stunt. And I told them where they could take that offer and shove it. And I said, if you want to do anything with me, I either do everything the guys do, step for step, hit for hit for all of it, or I do nothing, because it's insulting. And if I was any one of the guys on your team, I would hate it, and I'm not gonna be your PR stunt. And as soon as I said it, I was like, okay, I might've just gotten myself killed, okay? Because I had been outspoken my whole career, I would never play football against men. But sometimes when your back's against the wall, I think a lot of the times, you just have to get better. And so not only did I go through a day of training camp, but I went through all of training camp and become became the first female to play an entire season in men's pro football as a non-kicker. But what happened in the process is we got good together, right? Like I learned to be better with the guys. They learned to be better with me. We got to know each other. Look, my dad's from Jersey. If I knew that fuck was like very for you, mm-hmm. we would be fine. But on the first time we're having a conversation and we're in an emotionally charged conversation, that's tough because I don't know your normal vocabulary, right? We've not gotten to sit at a bar, so I don't know if you know that's your language with everybody or if it's me specifically, and that's harder, right? But we got through that.
1: Yeah, and, I will say that really is Dan's uh, everywhere. Right. So yeah, but you're good see, to go. If on I that knew one. that
0: going in, <laughs> I'd be like, hey slow your fucking roll, have a drink, take a second and listen to me.
2: Well, I'm right? not going to slow my but roll. If, first of all, let's go back to that because you were talking over wait. me and that's the reason I said it. So let's not read, <laughs> write that whole history. But anyways, yeah, there's something called the principle of charity. It's the first century Jewish principle that says you give the most uh, generous interpretation of somebody's words as possible. So I keep asking you questions. You keep thinking I'm asking you negative questions. I'm asking you questions because our fans want to hear your thoughts on it, right? It's not because I'm trying to challenge a worldview or anything like that. You got to relax, but
0: but here's the thing. First of all, the, the relaxed comment is tough. Why? Because actually, no, no, no. Because actually when you say that in a conversation, you're basically telling somebody that their, their way of coming into the situation has been incorrect. And this Mm -hmm. isn't a subject I can relax to. This is my life's work. Right now. What I will say is that it is the escalation of the conversation that made my interpretation take on that way because I didn't hear anything to the contrary. So it felt like an escalated narrative to me that was going more towards um, what I thought is like we were coming to chill out, hang out, like have a, a, a chill sports conversation. And this is intense. This is so a chill sports conversation
2: my- for me though. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. well, like, for I don't, Dan, it's if, pretty I don't, chill. I don't think uh, like we if you're trying to make cultural and systemic change here your uh, emotions have no place in the conversation and i'm not saying that to be critical it,
0: whoa 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 right? whoa whoa anytime you say somebody's emotions don't have a, a role in the conversation then you're not thinking about a one that has been somebody's mission in driving in life because i wouldn't do all of this if it didn't mean something
2: no i get it i for sure your um, your drive And you leveraging your emotions toward that drive have made you successful. But in a conversation, trying to debate the facts of the case or lay them out. Yeah,
0: but I'm also giving you facts of the case. So let's not go backwards, though. Let's table this and move forward, because I would really appreciate that.
1: Sure. So what was that conversation like when you got to to Arizona?
0: Well, it didn't start in Arizona. Oh, I
1: I apologize. Um, Yeah.
0: So having played on the guys team, um, we got really close. A new head coach came in the following season. He saw how we responded to each other. He sat me down and started grilling me about football, what was good with the team last year, all of these things. And I impressed him just off football. And Wendell's reaction was, you got to coach my football team. And I instinctively said no, because it's not something I had ever thought that I could do. Um, never had aspired to coach because there were no women coaching in men's pro football. And I am really thankful to Wendell because he would not let me turn it down. He actually took the job on my behalf and told me about it. And once I got into coaching, I saw that I knew probably more than I had thought I did, but didn't have a role model in that space. Didn't know how it could happen. So when I was coaching in indoor, um, and Sarah Thomas was hired as the first full-time female ref in NFL history, a reporter asked Bruce Arians if he could ever see a female coaching in the NFL. And his response was pretty simple. That's the kind of guy BA is. He said, the second a woman proves she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. So I talked to my head coach about it. He said, um, you know, basically like, <clears throat> we should call bruce uh can you get me his number and i was like dude didn't you play in the nfl like don't you guys have black book or something like there i had no real like connection to that level at that time um but he challenged me so i ended up calling the cardinals on behalf of myself um as if i wasn't myself that day i was his assistant um calling to let ba know that Uh, Though it was not in the NFL, there was already a woman coaching in men's pro football and that the head coach of the Texas Revolution would like to talk to him about it. So he eventually called him back and said, you know, um, you know, tell me about this girl and asked a bunch of questions and then um, eventually invited me out to OTAs and then to join the staff after a few interviews
1: and what was and this is the Arizona Cardinals um that's what I was referring to earlier but some uh what was the conversation like with Bruce Arians do you sit down with him and he interviews you is it like hard knocks how does that work
0: so the first thing I remember about Bruce Arians was he had like he has this way about him to make everybody feel like they belong um You know, here I am, I'm walking out to OTAs, the only girl, so it's like, you know, I don't know where I fit on, I don't even know where on the sidelines I'm supposed to go. He walks over and he brings me over and he said, hey coach, see these guys here on bikes? You know what that is? I was like, no, what is it? And he goes, these guys work really fast or really hard about running really fast at the combine. And everybody falls in love with this 40 time. And then they get out here and they forget that they have to play football and they get hurt and then they're on the bikes and they're no good to me. So he's cutting jokes from like minute one. And I was like, and then he's telling me about all of the elements. Right. Mm -hmm. And welcomes me in. He asked me about the PhD, asked me about my dissertation, what the team's like, some different things. Um, and then asked me, he's like, hey, I got to get to work. Will you, will you stay to the end of practice? And Because that's the only time we could actually sit down. So then after that, it was in the, um, in the cafeteria, sits me down, interviews me, wants to know about women's football, because he really wasn't aware. Um, wants to know what my responsibilities are with the current team, how I had gotten there, working with the linebackers, really wanted to know what the interpersonal dynamics were like. Um, And asked me a lot of questions about sports psychology and PhD. So really went through past history, um, present focus, and philosophy and leadership uh, skills um, and that. And then he did a bunch of interviews with other people um, who were around me, I think, um, to get a better feel like that. So you kind of had all of it, like the exposure and then more of your hardcore interview and then checking out other people who know you.
1: And when did you find out that you got hired? Uh, did he call you personally? Did an agent call you? How did that work out?
0: Yeah. Never talked to any agents, anybody else. It was all always BA. And I, um, he had actually told me to, you know, stay in contact with him, let him know how our season was going because I was right in the middle of coaching indoor football at that time. Um, I was a little hesitant to call him because he's kind of a busy guy. And um, he said, you know, um, keep him up to date on the season. And so we had gotten to the championship game. I figured that was a good enough reason to call him. Uh, he was out on the golf course. And I said, hey, coach, I just wanted to let you know we're in the championship. He's like, oh, coach, you got a lot of work to do. Um, I'm out here golfing. I was like, oh, I'm sorry to, dis- you know, to interrupt you. He's like, Nope, I'm already whooping these guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, you got a lot of work Focus on the championship. And by the way, you know, it looks like you'll be joining us in Arizona. So we'll give you details after you, uh, after you make the ship and he hung up. And I was like, does that mean like, it was like a drive by of good news. Sure, um, sure.
1: You're like, did I get yeah, the like, job or did like, I not get the job?
0: Right. Like, uh, okay. Like it was so funny just how, nonchalant he was about it I almost feel like uh, I almost felt like can I actually trust that um but that's you know that's just how BA is he is um once his decision is made like it all makes sense to him
1: And is there a a same salary for all all of those coaches at that level? So you already know what you're getting. Um, that goes back to the the agent thing. Usually an agent negotiates it, but I I don't know how the NFL works as far as like the the coaches
2: have agents. Yeah. Do they have agents and, and
1: do they, is there a, or just a flat number that everybody gets?
0: Um, I would certainly not be the one who would know. Um, because I was an outsider to that world, right? Like, I I mean, the closest I'd ever been to an NFL sidelines at that time was like the nosebleed section. So I didn't know any of the cultural stuff, any of how that is. Normally I think once you get to like, um, mid to higher kind of on the, I know if you're a coordinator, you definitely have an agent. Um, some of the more established position coaches, um, get into having agents and they would handle all that stuff. Um, I didn't have one. Um, so could not speak to the across the board economics.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, the only I, the only one I, I know. know of. different
0: teams have different numbers, but yeah. I have no idea what that looks like.
1: Yeah, the only one I know of uh it was a buddy from high school. His dad was a offensive line coach. And that was about the as far as you know positional head coaches go. I know they were rich, I just don't know what he made. Um, but uh he's still doing it to this day. Um, what was the exact title they assigned you when you got there to the Cardinals? What was um, your official coaching title?
0: Yeah, uh I was assistant inside linebackers um with Larry Foote.
1: And did you were you a linebacker playing pro and, and is that why he thought that would be a good fit there?
0: So I was, well, I was coaching linebackers for mm-hmm. the revolution at the time. Yep. Um, I was, I played a lot of different positions in 15 years, but predominantly linebacker though more an outside linebacker slash speed rush end by trade. Uh, part of the reason he had me work with the inside linebackers was because Larry foot was a new coach at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been a player the year before but got injured and, uh, BA thought he was really talented and a smart player. So, um, you know, was basically like, Hey, you need to stay in this and try this. And he thought the two of us together, um, would be a good dynamic, both in terms of personality and like being able to help him since he was a newer coach as well.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, 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 why I asked, um, you know, as far as like going from linebacker to linebacker, you answered the question there because most yeah. of the, most of the positional coaches actually played that position in the NFL and or college. And then they, they flip into it. So, uh, that makes sense. What, what was your first interaction like with the guys once you got in there and you were the first female coach, were they fucking with you at all? Um, or was, or was everybody pretty polite?
0: Uh- The guys were actually really excited to be a part of history um but so and and some of them welcomed me before I was even there uh I think Patrick Peterson definitely did um Kevin Minter um Kevin was in my room the whole time um I almost got stepped on by like Calais Campbell on the first day so that probably would have been a really bad start um but I literally turned a corner and we like kind of ran into him so like I kind of like was right eye to eye with his belly button because that's about how tall he is and I just remember this giant man looks down at me and he was like hey coach I've been looking forward to meeting you and I was like all I could think of was blue chips yeah um, yeah Shaq and Shaq like don't step on the children
1: (laughs) (laughs) underrated movie uh take a drink every time he peeks his head out of a door You'll be rocked by the end of that movie. I take a sure. I
2: take a drink every time Nick Nolte says, "God damn it!" God damn it! Every single time. Yeah, God I damn any, it! In any movie he's in. Yeah, that's the that's uh, a pretty good
0: impression. Right that's, there. that's that's my. Small. I have a
2: one-word Nick Nolte
1: impression, and that's it. And it's only the word "God damn it." God damn it! Nick Nolte. I don't think I remember
0: the, any other word he's ever no, said. Ever You're weird, right? The way he without, he says that,
2: <laughs> without the without <laughs> What else do you need? Without the God damn it, he's just Gary Busey with better hair. Exactly. Really exactly.
1: Um, and then how, how long did you end up coaching before moving on?
0: Uh, well with them, I was with them in preseason and training camp. That's what the contract was. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, the next coaching position I took was as the head coach of the Australian women's national team.
1: But do you think it opened, like you personally opened the doors for, um, the woman who was with the 49ers, uh, recently, um, did she, yeah, did she reach out and call you and say thank you? Um, because without you that, I mean, none of this would probably be possible. I would imagine.
0: Well, Katie and I played together. So that was really cool. Right. Um, we used to play against each other, uh, when she was with the Kansas city tribe and I was with the diamonds. So I have tackled her and her twin sister many times. Um, and we were, we played together on the 2013 national team. So it was really, really cool to see her get that opportunity and to know how solid she is, right. Like to know what a great football player in person she is. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting to have opened the door. Like I say, I was a good fullback, right. Like a good lead blocker, um, and that's what that's what the job is of being first. I think.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she had to have called you and said, "Hey, dude, what's this really like? Like, what am I getting into here?"
0: We we talked about it in person. Um, I saw her, um, and we talked about it that way. So it wasn't a phone call, um, but it was at a football game. So yeah, wanted to of cool. Different things.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and now you've got a, a, a new podcast here. You had Terrell Owens on. Yeah, you're interviewing Warren Moon today.
0: Uh, Warren is coming on. Yeah, I'm doing, um, so I partnered with Twitch on Twitch TV, bringing some new sports content to them. Um, uh, Warren Moon will be on today. Um, uh, that's on game recognizes game. And then we have the juke as well. Um, and just, you know, really having some good conversations with, with football friends. Warren is somebody who he's actually on the back of my book. He's been incredibly supportive of me, uh, throughout my career. Uh, So really excited to have another good conversation with him today.
1: That's awesome. How is Twitch, by the way? Um, Are they putting more programming out there? Yeah,
0: we're learning. Um, And actually, it would be great if you guys want to look at extending what you're doing to also bringing it to Twitch. I'd be happy to make an introduction to you.
1: That's the exact Uh, reason we asked. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's the exact reason I asked. They always say, hey, go to Twitch, go to Twitch, go to Twitch. I just don't know much about it. We've been in podcasting for you know, seven years at this point. Yeah.
0: And you guys have a great following and do a great job. So one of their, um, one of their goals is to increase the, the sports conversations that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so to pull more people into that environment. Um, and cause right now, obviously it's gaming first, uh, but yep. they want to get more into sports, um, specifically. So I think right now we're having more of the interview type conversations and then, it'll be like shifting to obviously during the season, being able to talk about what's going on during the season and, you know, side casting the game. So watching with fans so that we can, you know, chop it up and BS about football as it's going on. Um, cause that's a lot of it. It's really big on the chat and the community and being able to be accessible, but they are making a big push into sports. So that's great to, um, Intro, you. I
1: got you. Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of watch alongs on YouTube right now, but, uh, you know, they'll censor for whatever reason. I know Twitch is a little more open to uh, more colorful conversations, at least. Um, and then today, with, with Warren Moon on, I'm, I'm sure you'll ask him about uh, him saying, I got several gay teammates. That was one of the big stories, uh, in the last 48 hours. Yeah.
2: That does that come as a surprise to anybody there are gay people. No, motherfucker. No, dude. Uh, Uh,
1: No zero. When's the last
2: time a reasonable human being gave a fuck about that? To be honest. I mean, I know people still do and they're assholes for it, but goddamn,
1: It's been a long time. I, in my eyes, uh, that's why I don't think anybody really cared when the guy from the Raiders came out the other day and said, Hey, it's like, man, well, he
2: said it himself. I mean, the, the ultimate goal is that this is not news. Yes. Yes. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But we're certainly I'm sure there's still plenty of hillbillies that care about that. Yeah.
0: And I mean, if you look at I mean, think about the difference on how his news has been received to, you know, when Michael Sam was gay, like openly gay and being drafted. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big difference now in terms of being receptive
2: sure it is but Michael Sam was not an NFL caliber player either right i think uh, well
0: it's a different conversation but it's the last point sure. like data point that yeah. we kind of have Yeah. You know, right i
2: yeah. i we we said this uh the day after homeboy came out like it's i thought it was a really smart uh personal and business decision for him to wait until he made it quote unquote cuz he's a, he's a legit NFL player like yeah. he's, he is a top third of the league at his position player
0: yeah. And, and, now, it, and it nobody sh- can
2: say like it with Michael Sam, like, oh, this is a publicity stunt, whatever. There's you can't say that. Can't say it. Yeah. Like, right. He is a fucking very, very good football player. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Jen, tell everybody where they can find you.
0: Um, at J Welter 47 on Twitter, Welter 47 on Instagram, uh, Dr. Jen Welter on Twitch. Um, and my website is jenwelter.com
1: awesome awesome look we appreciate you being here today uh we actually enjoy spirited conversations like this I uh, hope you took no offense to it because um, uh, what you did is is truly historic and uh, you put your money where your mouth is as far as you know where you think women should be at the table there so we appreciate you being on today
0: well look what I appreciate is is guys that will have the conversations because we don't change anything if we just sit there and think we know all the answers or think that we know how to to convey it right if we're not if you don't have different opinions if i don't have them and we can't get into it then guess what it's just going to sit on the shelf and a lot of people cry in their cheerios yeah. I, I was taught very early on especially in the world of football that if it means something to you coach you have to be willing to stand on the table and you can't let somebody knock you off the table otherwise your opinion didn't mean anything in the first place and so, yeah, I'm I'm gonna push back because I look at it as like when you get put into conversations, whether or not I'm always the one who wants to have them. I don't. I wouldn't consider myself an authority in basketball, period. Right? Like it was not my sport. I played a lot of them. That wasn't the one. But if I can have a conversation that might help move the needle for them, I will. Um, if that's a question that I'm asked, is it? Is it my first go-to? No, because it's not my sport. But if we're going to be in these conversations, and you're going to be in a position where people are asking you questions. Do your best to learn about it. If you can learn more, do it. And have to stand on the table, though. Because if you don't, then who's going to? Because you were the only one invited into the conversation. So knowing all the guys that I love and respect They have strong opinions. I do too. We have to talk about them. If we don't, then nothing changes. And, you know, I'll be wrong on some of it. I'll be right on some of it. But if we can't really get into it, then we're not going to get anything from it. So.
1: I I 100% agree. And uh, and thank you for being here today. Check Jen out uh, on the Juke podcast. And I I feel like you're everywhere, Twitch and everywhere else. So uh, please give her a follow as well. Uh, for D'Anthony, D'Anthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is Drinking Bros. Sports. Good, kind of.